Hello. Now, before I jump into this episode, I want to let you know about a free online workshop that I'm running in early August 2022. So if you're listening to this episode around its time of release, be sure you save your spot. This free online workshop is called the top five home design mistakes and how to avoid them. And in it, I'm going to be going through when I say the top, they're the biggest, they're the most commonly made design mistakes. And I want to share my tips and my tactics for avoiding these in your project as well. So whether you're renovating or building new, whoever you're working with, you'll I know that you're going to find this free online workshop packed full of help and actionable uh, information as well. And you'll get to ask me questions too. So you can save your spot by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash design mistakes. Now, let me get on with this episode. This is episode 246 and in it, I'm going to be talking about a comment that I regularly receive on Undercover Architect social media. And a few months ago, it was even typed into the comments of a free online workshop that I ran on Zoom. Now, this comment, it gets put in different ways, but the essence of it is this. You don't need any of this information that's shared here on Undercover Architect. You just need to find a good designer or architect. So, In this episode, I'm going to talk about this claim that some make and why I don't think it's that easy and why I find that this attitude of you just need to find a good designer can be really challenging for projects and why some colleagues of mine, I think, have this so wrong. If you're thinking that a good designer or architect is going to be the pathway to success in your project, a great experience and a fantastic home at the end of it, then this episode will definitely be worth listening to. Remember, you can download a free PDF transcript of this episode and I've got links to some other helpful resources as well that I'm going to be mentioning. Uh, You can get all of that by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 246. That's the numbers 246. So let's dive in. I begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and I recognise the continuing connection to lands, waters, skies and communities. I pay my respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to Elders both past and present. If we haven't met before, I'm Amelia Lee. Based in Northern New South Wales, Australia, I'm a wife, mum and architect and I've worked in the architectural industry for over 27 years now. Having worked on over 250 projects, mainly residential family homes, as well as significantly renovating three homes of my own with my hubby, whilst our three kids were babies, toddlers, and even older, I have a personal and professional understanding of the joy, challenges, stresses, and excitement of making your family home a reality. In mid-2014, I started Undercover Architect, and it's an online business to help and teach homeowners like you how to get it right when designing, building, and renovating your family home. Undercover Architect is all about giving you access to the industry knowledge and insights you need to avoid the mistakes and dramas that can cost you thousands, tens of thousands and even hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's about levelling the playing field so that the world of renovating and building doesn't seem so mysterious and you can be the active driver in your project, navigating it with know-how and confidence. Undercover Architect helps and teaches homeowners through this podcast, the website and our online courses and programs, including my flagship program, Home Method. I truly believe that when you know the questions to ask, the steps to take and the best way to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in, you can enjoy the process of building and renovating, as well as the home that you move into at the end of this ambitious journey. Consider Undercover Architect your secret ally, whoever you're working with and whatever your location, your budget or your dreams. 
Grab access to my free online workshop, Your Project Plan, and learn super helpful information to save time, money and stress in your reno or new build. You can find it at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. That's P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-L-A-N. Now, let's get on to the episode. If you employ a good design or architect, you don't need to listen to any of this. That's what someone actually typed in the comments of an online workshop that I presented on Zoom a few months ago, and they typed it in all caps. And, you know, ever since I started getting more people on my workshops, I've actually found that there'll be a couple of attendees for some reason, they just hang around for the whole time, but then they put negative comments into the chat. They're usually doing it via an anonymous or an unnamed Zoom profile. It's really interesting to me that someone will spend an hour or more of their time hanging out online in a free workshop that I'm offering just to do that. Um, But usually I'm so focused on delivering the workshop and actually delivering the content that I've prepared um, that I don't see the comments until afterwards. My team is dealing with them during the actual workshop. And, you know, but this comment, it did actually stand out to me because it was in all caps and it came at a small point uh, pause in the workshop where I just did a quick scan of the comments at the time. So at the time I did, I took a moment to read it and then I also responded responded. And I responded because this is a common thought that I know many homeowners have uh, and and that many in the profession are also trying to tell homeowners that they just need to find a good designer. So, um, you know, that they, they say to them, you just need to find a good designer. You need to find a good architect. That's all anybody needs to worry about and your project will be set. And this can also extend to finding a good builder as well. But commonly, I actually find that it's all about the designer or the architect. If you employ a good designer or architect, you don't need to listen to any of this. <laughs> now, if only, if only it was this easy, because if it was this easy, then why do so many people have such horrible experiences of their projects? And why, if this is all that it requires, do so many projects go pear-shaped? Why is there homeowner after homeowner, Facebook group after Facebook group of project after project having some stressful or poor quality or budget blowing issue or drama? when working with a designer or architect. You know, I see so many homeowners assuming that finding a good designer or architect is all they need to worry about and the rest will get taken care of. But it's super hard for a good designer or architect to mean the same good to all people. And having received so many stories and seen so many designs and drawings in my time, I know that there are a huge range of skills and abilities out there in the industry. I also know that there are loads of far from good designers, architects and builders that are wanting to unfortunately deliver the bare minimum in service and quality to their clients. And I think that unless you know how to look for the right team members, ways to decipher and interpret what you're being told, what it can and should look like to navigate your project journey, what questions to ask to get the right information along the way and how to find the best fit for you and your project, then you can easily miss out on finding your good designer to work with. Now, please understand, I am not against finding a great professional team to work with on your project, not at all. In fact, the opposite is true. I strongly believe that renovating and building are best done as a team sport. Teamwork makes the dream work and finding the right team can and does make a massive difference to the quality of your experience, the design outcome in your home and the amount of stress that you experience or don't experience along your journey and how much you get to enjoy it as well. But I think that because the industry has such a wide ranging level of experience and expertise and training and all of those kinds of things and varying degrees of customer service and quality delivery, things can go pear-shaped. 
And I will say that the weirdest thing happens when I speak about this stuff. I have colleagues who really resent that I talk about the varying degrees of professionalism, quality and performance in our industry. There are people that have accused me of having an odd approach to my own industry, that they believe that I denigrate the work of uh, great professionals. However, because I work in this industry and I have done so for so long, I know that there are really great professionals that are working hard. And so I want to speak out about it when I see homeowners who are bringing their trust and their money and their hopes and their dreams to our industry. And they're asking for help and guidance. And then they have terrible outcomes and experiences happening for them. I want to help that be avoided. And frankly, I am sick of seeing those not so great professionals let the great ones down and tarnish the industry overall. And that leads me back to that claim. If you employ a good designer or architect, then you don't need to listen to any of this. So one of the things that bothers me the most about this claim is that I feel that as a homeowner, it totally outsources your power. It suggests that that's all you have to do, that you just have to hand over everything and and that's all that's required of you. And that's not the case for what I think of your ability and your place in your project at all. I actually believe that you... You as the homeowner unlock what is possible for your future home. It starts with you. It starts with your choices, your money, your aspirations, with you. And because it starts with you, it relies on you finding and choosing that good designer. And you being able to find and choose that good designer, that relies on you knowing what good looks like when it comes to working with a design professional. And knowing what good should and can look like, that relies on you having some knowledge of the process along with what to expect, what goals to have and how to craft a great working relationship with the people that you're going to work with. But what happens if you don't know what you don't know? I'm often told by homeowners that this is one of their fears. They they don't know what they don't know. And for some, the industry feels opaque. It, it feels like so much of insider information is hidden and it's totally reliant on the kinds of relationships that you create and the people that you connect with. I have many tell me that they feel it's just going to, they think it's just going to cost them more to get good advice. That's not the case at all though. I've actually seen very high cost professionals mislead clients and waste their clients' money. Having money does not make you immune to the impact of a lack of having a lack of knowledge. Now, for some, there's a sense that if professional people do this every day and we have so many people building and renovating, why does it need to be so complex and potentially hazardous? Why does it require the homeowner to know so much in order to avoid the pitfalls and the drama? And I've even had some tell me that, you know, given the industry gets so much government boosting and buffering, it seems bizarre to them that it can still be such a treacherous process to, and for a naive homeowner to navigate that, you know, if it's an industry and a process that's so important and so impactful, why? isn't it less risky for those dealing with the industry and making their way through the process? Look, you know, whilst the renovation uh, industry, the residential construction industry, while it has and it continues to change, thankfully, it is still one of the least digitised industries globally. In parts, it can be really old-fashioned, even dinosaur-like in its attitudes. It's still male-dominated and in lots of ways, with all the advancement of technology and workforce in so many other industries, we still do build houses with very similar practices and products to what we did decades and decades ago. And I think that there's a part of the industry that actually relies on you believing that you need to just find a good designer or architect and builder and then hand everything over. That that's what is required, that, you know, it works for them. You outsource your agency, you outsource your opportunity to be an invested, active collaborator in the creation of your own home. Basically, be quiet, hand over your money and get what you're given. But 
as I said, many tell me that they are aware that they don't know what they don't know. And if you're here, I suspect it's because you're seeking to reduce the extent of information that you don't know. You want to uncover what you don't know and you want to learn more. So I want to go through some of the questions that you can use to assess what you do know about choosing a good designer as part of embarking on your project and what you still need to potentially learn before you go about choosing one. Because a good designer does make a difference. A good architect does make a difference. But you need to know what you need to know in order to be able to make that the right choice for you. If you head to the resources of this podcast as well, I'm going to pop some links there that are going to help you with some relevant blog posts and podcast episodes as well to be able to grow your learning in this. And of course, you know, this is information that I provide specific lessons and checklists and templates for inside my flagship program, Home Method. Because if you're wanting to work with a designer or an architect, knowing how to choose a good one and being able to check that you're actually choosing a good one, that's a really critical step in your project journey. So it's something that we do spend a bit of time on inside Home Method. So Let's go through some of these questions to ask yourself so that you can see what you need to learn about, you know, more before you uh, go looking for and trying to decide on a designer for your project. So the first question is, do you actually know how to research various designers? Do you know how to assess their skills, their qualifications, their experience, uh, assess their communication style, how they're going to be able to help you? what their legal responsibilities are to you based on their various professions and the differences between the different types of designers as well. Are you across all of that? The next one is, do you know how to choose the right designer for you? So one who actually has alignment with you in their approach to working with you, uh, in the kinds of design ideas that they have, the business model of their practice and how alignment in alignment that is with, you know, how you want to create your project, the type of support, and help that they'll provide you as well in terms of how they traditionally work and then the extent and the types of services that they're going to provide to you as well. Is that in alignment with how you want to do your project? The next question is, do you know what to ask them when you're actually interviewing them to be able to draw this information out of them so that you can actually find out, you know, more information on those things that I've listed above and and be able to learn more about who they are and how they operate and if they're going to be the right fit for you and your project. Next, do you know how to check their fee proposals so that you can actually ensure that your risk is protected, that, you know, you know what's going to happen if things don't go as planned and who owns what when it comes to your design and how you'll be dealt with if things change like your budget or your brief or something else. The next question is, do you know how to do thorough due diligence on any designer or architect before you actually hire them? Now, I think, you know, when I'm thinking about this question, I actually want to share something with you first. So, of course, I am often asked to recommend professionals to homeowners. I receive regular messages on emails, uh, social DMs uh, from homeowners who are asking me if I know of a designer, a builder or an architect who's in their area who can help them. You know, they might have heard me speak about a particular topic on the podcast or the website. They might just generally be here, you know, learning from Undercover Architect. They might have heard a guest also and so they'll reach out to me and they'll say, you know, ask me if I know someone who thinks similarly, who lives in their area or works in their area, someone that they can help. You know, they may have also been having a really hard time of working with their existing team, not had alignment with their existing team. They're hitting challenges and hurdles and so they're looking for something different and wanting to, knowing that they need to find a different person to work with and so they'll reach out to me to see if there's somebody that I know who's in alignment with what we teach here at Undercover Architect or with what a particular guest does or works and, you know, actually serves their area. And 
you know, I, I also have people reaching out to me because they know what they d- I do in my other business, Live Life Build, in terms of working with builders. And so they'll ask if I know a builder in their area who uses the pack process or is a great builder if I can recommend someone to them. Now, many years ago, I actually used to make recommendations. I used to collect names. I used to then share those with other people. But you know what? After a while, I learned not to. And I know that's really frustrating for those who reach out to me. I have a few reasons for doing this, but there's one main reason at the moment that I won't recommend other professionals. And I'm not to say that this won't change in the future, but at the moment, this is where I've got to with this and it's why I've got to this point with this. Not unless I know you personally very, very well, and I personally know and have had a lot of dealings with the other professional that I'm recommending, do I feel comfortable recommending someone to you? And this is because I've seen time and time again that a successful professional working relationship actually requires great personal and personality fit. I've seen professionals that I think are great and that I personally get along with really well go and work with others that they don't have a personal fit with and it just not go well for everybody involved. And because there's so many professionals out there who when they embark on a project, they don't assess clients for personal fit. They instead, they take on anyone that they think they can help. You know, it often comes down to the client themselves actually having to say yes or no to the process. You know, you as the homeowner are having to figure out this personal fit because you're not, you know, a lot of architects, designers, they won't do this and make this determination for you. They'll, they'll just basically say, yes, I can do your project. I'm in your area. These are the kinds of projects that we do. They don't think about who their ideal client is and who are the kinds of people that they're going to work with. And instead, they just are happy to work with anyone. And so you as a client are having to f- figure out, are they personally aligned with me? Does this work for us? Are we a good personality fit? Is this a good personal fit for my project? You know, personal fit, it actually means you need to get to know someone. You need to see that there's someone you can personally connect with, that you see the world similarly to, that you actually share values and you have some common ground. You need to be able to communicate openly with your team. You need to feel listened to and you need to be able to speak up and have frank conversations with them. And you also need to know that you're working from a similar platform in life, that there's a bunch of shared understanding, sort of shared, I suppose, positioning about the world and, and the, the way that you kind of see your place in it. And, you know, that that helps you see that you're aligned as people. You're also going to need, you know, personal fit is about you knowing how they're going to behave in certain situations and under certain circumstances and, you know, what their attitude is to your money and to your dreams, your family situation, and also to bigger issues that you hold important as well. So, you know, and of course, this is all on top. This is all another set of layers on top of the fact that they can just do a good job at what they're hired to do, that they run a great business and that they have the experience that you need. And so what I find happens is that when I recommend someone, when somebody reaches out to me and says, can you suggest somebody who's in our area and I recommend someone, people just don't go through as thorough a process to check and confirm the personal fit for themselves. They actually ignore the kind of gut messages that they might be getting. They think, well, Amelia told me that this person was okay and they don't, they don't assess it for themselves for that personal fit. And, you know, this is the thing about personal fit. Personal fit is is personal. So, you know, as I said, unless I know you really, really well personally and I know the professional really, really well personally as well, I just won't provide recommendations at all. 
what I would rather do, what is much more helpful for you, what is much more empowering for you, what works much better to create much better results. And this is what, what I've learned through experience is I would much rather teach you the questions to ask, the way you need to show up, the research you need to do so that you can draw out the information you need. And I'd also much rather teach you what the process can and should look like and how you can craft great working relationships. So then you're able to assess things for yourselves. You're able to audit what's going on. You're in a much more confident position to make sure that you are getting what you need to make your dreams come to life and that you are actually standing in it yourself, that you haven't outsourced your power in that, that you've, you're able to show up as you need to show up in order to make that happen for yourself and be able to make confident decisions around that. So do you actually know how to conduct thorough due diligence on a potential designer so that you can actually understand if they're operating a solid business so you can check their references with other clients and you can assess them for this really important personal fit so that you can make sure that you're, you're getting the right person to work with. Now, another question I want you to ask yourself is, do you actually know how to brief them? Of course, this is so that you can know, you know, that they actually understand your project wishes and wants, that you're establishing great communication that's open and honest from the get-go, and you can ensure that you're listened to right from the start. The next question is, I want you to ask, do you actually know what is the best methodology for you to move through your project. This one is so important, you know, because designers will do things differently. And I find that homeowners will have different expectations and needs for their project journey as well. And they'll want different things from the designers that they work with, but they won't know how to manage that in their actual designer selection. And so then they end up, you know, having chosen someone thinking that they do the kind of work that they like and the kind of thing that they envisage for their project. And then they end up being led by the designer or jumping into a working relationship without actually knowing how that process is going to go um, or what they what they can expect or if it's going to deliver what they really need in their design and their experience of creating and building it to have certainty around that process and to feel comfortable in that process as well. Now, the next question I want you to ask is, do you actually know what good design looks like? Do you know what good design looks like? You know, choosing a good designer implies that they know how to create a good design. However, I've unfortunately seen that because a homeowner doesn't know what good design actually is, you know, what makes a home work, what makes it functional, what is energy efficient and what is a comfortable, enjoyable home to live in over the long term, then they've ended up with designers creating some not so good outcomes for them. Now, when you actually have some basic understanding of what makes good design and what will make good design work for you personally, then you've got a way of auditing the performance of a designer before and during working with them to actually assess if they're the right designer for you and your future home and they're doing a good job for you. Look, there are so many questions like this when it comes to choosing a designer and knowing that you're making the right choice. But the last one that I'm going to mention is this, and it's, it's a really important one. Do you actually know what you'll do and what to do if things go off track whilst you are working with a designer? So do you know how you'll know if things have gone off track? Will you know how to change things if they do? Will you know what your rights are with the work that's already been done if you're partway through and things need to change? And do you know how to check all of this before you actually choose a designer and commit to the process of working with them? Now, you may be thinking, whoa, Amelia, 
why do I need to know all of this? This was a lot of stuff that seems to be doing with actual working with the designer, you know, with all of the process. Why do I need to know all of this before I choose a designer? But this is the thing, like I said up front, if you don't know what good looks like, how will you know that you're choosing somebody to do a good job for you who is a good designer and ultimately know that you're managing your risk and that you're informed about the whole experience of working with them? I met a woman at a business breakfast recently. So we were sitting at the table next to each other. There was a moment of pause before obviously all of the event got going and you know, you have the opportunity to chat to people at your table and we introduced ourselves to each other and, and you know, started talking about what we both do for work. And I find that when I tell people about Undercover Architect and what I, what I do, uh, it generally goes one of two ways. So the first way is that sometimes they'll have heard of Undercover Architect or they'll think it's a really great idea and they'll be keen to check it out because they've got a project on their radar, you know, and that or they know of somebody who's, you know, potentially going through um, a project at the moment. The second way, which is the far more common response that I get, is that they've either endured a horrible building experience, um, you know, doing a, build, a new build or a renovation, or they've got a close family friend or a family um, or a family member who's had a horrible experience creating their family home. And so, you know, introduced myself to this woman and she started to tell me about the project that she and her partner were currently doing. They were right in the midst of it. Now, so they'd wanted to build a small studio in their backyard. Um, They'd made that decision rather than doing an extension. And they'd actually contracted it to a company that was a one-stop shop. So she'd investigated options for a custom approach. Like I said, she'd, you know, thought about doing an extension, but she found that this company and this kind of approach seemed to be much more affordable and you know she liked the fact that they were going to take care of all of the approvals the drawings and everything involved in the prep work plus then be able to construct it as well you know she owns her own business her partner wasn't going to be too involved in making the project happen so she knew it needed to be something that was going to be streamlined and that's the way that she went about doing it but they'd hit a snag and it was quite a big one actually. So they designed, they decided on the design and the price and they'd signed all the paperwork to get all of the orders and everything happening. And um, they were looking forward to getting it all really, you know, started really soon. And then she'd just been told by this company that her site, uh, her block of land with her existing house on it, that this company had discovered that uh, the site actually has a bushfire zoning on it. Now she backs onto national park, so or, or to a big park area. So it, you know, it was interesting to me that this had not been sort of thought about earlier, um, but this was of course going to change the approval process with her local council and the specification required for the building and all of that was going to change the cost and the timeline and the process and the orders and everything like that. So understandably she was frustrated and and you know very nervous and worried about this. So I started asking her some questions about what had been checked, you know, what had been reviewed, where the advice was coming from, you know, and I made some suggestions to her about, you know, what I thought her next best steps were and and what, you know, what where she could get some help and who she needed to potentially speak to and, you know, was just trying to sort of help her find a pathway through. But I could also see that it was starting to stress her out more than it was going to help her because, of course, we're sitting at a table at a business breakfast. This was a lot of information, you know, it was a lot for her to sort of be digesting. So, She actually turned to me and she said something that I have heard so many times from people in her position. She said, you know, I trusted that this company knew what they were doing. I mean, they do this all the time. 
And, you know, she said she knew that she'd hired a company that wasn't local and maybe they didn't know her counsel, but, you know, and maybe that was a problem. But, and so she was sort of, you know, saying maybe this was my mistake and I was naive, but they said that they knew what they were doing. And so I trusted them. I put it into their hands. And she said to me, here I was, you know, choosing the finishes, the colours, the tapware, the things to go into this building. That's what I was excited about. That's what I was focusing on. That's where all her attention was going at the moment. And now, now she was like, I ha- now I have to figure all of this stuff out. All of this stuff I don't know about, I now have to figure out. And I, there's so much to think about. I've never done this before. I don't have any experience in it, I, you know. And she was just really overwhelmed knowing potentially what was ahead of her. Of course, the trust was broken with this group, which then makes you feel uncertain about everything. The cost was not clear. The timeline was up in the air and they'd signed a contract. So, of course, legally there's that issue to navigate as well. And she she thought she'd done all the right things. She thought she'd chosen a good company. But because she hadn't known the questions to ask, the ways to assess them and their performance – or had some foundational understanding of her site and the process and what to expect from all of that, then she'd not been able to question them or vet them properly. And this story is unfortunately really common. You know, I said to her, it's why I do what I do. It's why I, you know, it's why Undercover Architect exists because it's the nature of it. As a homeowner, there's things you need to know before you jump into your project so that you don't fall foul of this happening for you. You know, this is another story. I I once received an email from a woman. She'd come across Undercover Architect online and then she sent me this email and, and it said, essentially, we are the perfect case study on why people should do your courses before they do anything else. And it this is, you know, it's a pretty common email that I receive. I often get messages from homeowners who've hit horrible experiences in their project. They go looking for help and then they find Undercover Architect and then they get in touch saying that they wish that they'd found me sooner. And she told me her story um, over email. And to summarise, I'm just going to go through it in bullet points. She said she and her family were planning a renovation and then this is how things went. So they hired one architect who did a concept that they didn't really like. They then found another uh, who designed a great home that they got really excited about. So they got, you know, full drawings and documentation done. They submitted it and they got a DA approved and paid for all of that. They then found a builder and they got ready to start. And then the builder disappeared at the 11th hour. And so they were frustrated and had felt like they'd been through the ringer at this point. And so they took a, they decided they were going to take a break for six months and, and just, you know, step away from it at all. It had all been pretty exhausting. So, and then of course life continued to happen and other stuff got in the way and it dropped down their list of priorities. And three years later on reviewing the approved designs and knowing that they had a timeline on their DA in terms of when they had to commence work because the council and the state that they work in, they had this five-year timeline that they had to kind of take action. They actually looked at the design and realised that it didn't fit anymore. It didn't fit them. It didn't fit their budget. It didn't fit their lifestyle. And so instead they then navigated all of the copyright design issues and they went and found a building designer to work with and they got the architect's permission and they handed over the drawings to them to amend that design and try and keep the the ball rolling. And then the building designer that they were working with, they hit personal issues. And uh, six months went by and they hadn't made any progress and the building designer finally said that he couldn't continue the job. Now... (sighs) I was exhausted reading through this. Can you imagine how exhausting and demoralizing it was for them to actually be living through this experience? And then what she said to me in the email was this. I then started again and I discovered your site and the clouds parted 
And I finally realized why the last four years have felt so scary and why I, usually an intelligent and capable person, have felt so totally out of my depth. Now, when I asked her whether she tried to educate herself before she initially started the project, she said this to me. Speaking for me, I naively and simplistically thought that building was similar to surgery. You choose a professional that has a good reputation and then you hand everything over. At the time I started, I wasn't looking to educate myself about the process. I thought I just needed to decide on the styles of things. It was only once I was years into it, feeling totally out of my depth, watching money fly through my fingers and feeling like I wasn't getting anywhere that I started trying to educate myself about what was going on. And then once I was in the midst of it, I was completely gun shy about spending more money on an online program without feeling confident I wasn't going to be throwing it away. Now, needless to say, she got over being gun shy. She joined my program and she's since finished an amazing renovation on her family home and she had such an enjoyable experience of it, overcoming challenges and bringing her dreams to life that she's now taking more projects on and looking around and saying, what else can I do? Which is very customary for for uh, what I see for, for homeowners who join and they overcome something that they previously thought was just so out of their depth, really big. And, and instead, they've been able to achieve it for themselves through what they've been able to learn and put into practice. And then they, you know, they get the bug and want to keep doing it. So, you know, this is the thing. This is the thing I want you to remember. Okay. You are not in this industry. If this is your first time, even your second or third, you are not supposed to know what you are doing. And that can be incredibly hard, especially when you are used to knowing what to do in other areas of your life. Like the any industry, the design and construction industry is full of great people. And there's also those that aren't so great. And it's also an industry where I find there are operators who really struggle to market themselves. You know, do you know how many times I've had conversations with professionals who do incredible work with their clients? They take really good care of them and I'm imploring them to, you know, update your website, collect testimonials, market your services and share your work with the world because I can see how difficult it is for homeowners to find them. You know, many of my colleagues actually struggle with marketing or they're really humble. They're quite shy and they find it difficult to put themselves out there. They find that it feels icky and salesy or they're so busy that they find that they don't have time or they haven't been able to hire someone to take care of that marketing for them. Add to that the fact that, especially in the world of architecture, you know, so many websites, they just don't do a great job of showing the personality of the professional that you're going to be working with. So it can be really hard as a homeowner for you to determine that personal fit when you're looking through websites and social media and those kinds of things. You'll find architectural websites full of buildings, but not a lot about the people that you're going to be communicating with, working closely with and sharing your home hopes and dreams with for months as your home is designed. There's also lots of designers out there who are equally frustrated with the nature of the industry as I am and and the way that it celebrates, you know, the expensive, the jewel-like examples of high-end architecture. So these designers, they don't even bother entering awards because they just don't believe in them. They feel that awards are not representative of how most homeowners create their homes, that they don't take into account the client experience or represent the true cost of the project. And so they simply don't want to participate. And so then their work's sort of not in that pool of of those award-winning projects, which, you know, means that it can be harder for you to find them to work with them if that's how you're going about looking for good designers. They're not getting published. They're not getting, you know, their work out there because it's just not, they just don't subscribe to that being the representation of how most people create homes. You know, and on the flip side of that, I have seen some very highly award-winning, you know, published 
designers and architects, I've actually seen them tell clients, you know, we only do work where the budget and the brief are determined by us. I kid you not, they've actually told clients that they as the architects or designers, they get to decide what gets to design, you know, they get to decide what gets designed and what it's going to cost. I mean, ugh, like, yeah. And then there's designers who will do partial services, who won't necessarily do contract administration. They'll structure their work differently. So they they won't have professional photographs of their finished projects to publish. Perhaps they haven't seen the project the whole way through. Uh, perhaps they haven't been able to afford to invest in in professional photographs because they are um, they are quite expensive to have taken, um, and uh, or they, the project might have changed slightly during construction, you know, beyond their control, and so they don't feel that they can photograph it as a finished representation of their design work. Now, I know my experience as I was building my own career and work, work portfolio. I couldn't share photographs of projects that I designed whilst working for other practices, you know, because those practices owned the photographs. They also owned the work that I did for them and they had them published on their own website. So, you know, even though I'd been project architect on them, sometimes the only architect on them and many of the residential projects I'd done on my own along the way, often as private jobs alongside working inside practices, you know, I'd, I'd not got those um, projects photographed. You know, one of the practices that I worked for, it still has photographs of homes on its website that I designed where I was the only one working on that project, documenting it. And I was the only one involved with the client. No one else from the business was ever involved in it, but they're published, that house is published, you know, those homes are published on their website. So that's just what happens when you're working for a practice. You actually sign over your design IP and the work that you do as an employee. And so all of this I know feeds into how difficult it can be uh, and how it can feel for you as a homeowner trying to find a good designer. But, you know, please remember this, okay? The difference between finding those who are great and those who aren't, it isn't potluck. It's not about having more money. It's not about getting the right recommendation or about finding the one with the most amazing photographs on their website and the most beautiful Instagram profile. It's actually about you as the homeowner knowing how to find, how to interview, how to review and how to vet and select the right designer for you. And this actually extends to everybody that you're working with. You know, I see homeowners feel out of control of this process. They feel beholden to the industry. They lack empowerment around this. But I I actually think, in fact, it's the opposite. It's because of you that your project will happen. It's because it's your wish and your want and your ambition to create this future home. That's why you're hiring a designer in the first place. And it's, you know, what they create for you, it it will be because it was your It was first your dream to create it, okay? So as I tell my Home Method members all the time, you are not expected to know everything. You simply need to know enough to ask the right questions, to sift through the bad advice and to have a place to check in with for impartial advice and help along the way. And you may need to kiss a few frogs along the way to find your prince or your princess. It's such an important relationship though in creating a great home and in having a great experience. So please, don't let the industry tell you that you just have to find a good designer and you don't have to listen to anything else and then and then not give you the tools or the know-how for you to be able to do that. Make sure you equip yourself, okay? Don't outsource your power. Think about the questions that I've taken you through. If you don't know how to answer them, head to the resources that I've got for this episode by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 246, 246. 
I've got obviously the transcript for this episode. I've got free blogs and podcasts that I've done on this topic. And if you do want more help, if you want more support in being able to make this important decision, if you of course want support and tools, checklists, guidance, all of those kinds of things to actually be able to you know, have the answers uh, to and the checks to make about all of those questions that I posed, of course, Home Method is a fantastic way to be able to access that help, support and guidance. Now, remember, if you are listening to this episode at the time of its release, you can join me for my free online workshop, the top five home design mistakes and how to avoid them. You can save your free spot by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash design mistakes. And lastly, I have a message to any of my professional colleagues who are listening to this episode. I know that a few architects, graduate architects, designers, industry professionals do listen to this podcast. So if you consider yourself a good designer, in fact, any type of good professional who takes care of their clients and does a great job, then please, please make yourself more discoverable. Put yourself out there help potential clients find you and get to know you and your work before they have to email you or pick up the phone to speak to you directly. And a message to those professional colleagues who keep posting negative criticism on on Undercover Architect social media content, describing homeowners as uneducated and accusing me of all sorts of things, including being someone who wants to undermine our industry. I'm not sure why you're so scared or angry or annoyed about your potential clients being more educated and more informed. To be frank with you, I think as an industry, it's actually worth examining ourselves and to be always assessing how can we improve and how can we better support those who actually hire us and invest with us to help deliver their dreams. I am so looking forward that I can go to a barbecue You know, the day that I can go to a business event like that breakfast event that I went to, sit down next to someone and introduce myself and tell them what I do and instead of hearing horror stories, actually have them tell me about the amazing experience that they had building or renovating their home because the industry did what it was supposed to do. It took care of them, it lived up to their trust in us and it delivered them an amazing experience and a fantastic home. However, Until that day happens, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and hopefully homeowners will continue to learn what they need to know so that we can weed out all the mediocre, all the substandard, all the undeserving professionals out of this industry so that good designers, actually great designers, they're going to be the only ones you can hire because all the bad and dodgy ones have actually gone out of business. Imagine that, hey? Now, as I said, if you'd like a you know, full and free transcript of this episode, plus the resources that I've mentioned, head to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 246. Next time on the podcast, I'm going to be talking about the unknown compromise of living in a home that is just okay. I've seen homeowners never realize just what they were putting up with until they got to experience the alternative. And I want to give you a window into that so that you know what you're aiming for when you're renovating or building. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye.